This month we've been learning about and reflecting on beloved community as articulated by Martin Luther King Jr. and as embodied in the civil rights movement. Beloved community is not a place. It's a process that's always asking for our attention and our participation. I heard someone the other night say, it's like heaven here on earth, which we do catch glimpses of from time to time. But it's never a place where we get to say, we've arrived, we're done. Beloved community asks us to practice expanding our hearts and our minds so we come to new and deeper understandings. It asks us to keep on moving forward. And as we try to live more and more into this way of being called beloved community, the spiritual we just sang could be a good prayer or mantra for us, couldn't it be? To have with us on our way. Guide my feet while I run this race. Hold my hand, stand by me, search my heart, cause I don't want to run this race in vain. I don't want to run this race in vain and I know you don't want to either. Which is one of the reasons we come to church, isn't it? and are part of this community because we find inspiration and encouragement here. We sense the Spirit moving in our midst, and we start to understand that this is not just a solitary practice. It's also a shared practice, living out our hopes and our intentions in community with one another, and not just within the walls here, but in this neighborhood, in this city, in our workplaces, in the world. There were 25 of us on Zoom on Wednesday night for the first session of the Transforming Hearts class that is being facilitated by Claire and Tori and Zan. This class is about learning how to help make our congregation and our world more welcoming and accessible to transgender people. And the first session was all about beloved community. It was a good reminder that this work of building beloved community, it is work. And we do it with others and it invites us to stretch and grow and I'm gonna say it, change. It invites us to change. So things will get better especially for those who are marginalized and suffering under the current system. And this is what the American Civil Rights Movement set out to do when it started back in the 1950s. Not unlike the Black Lives Matter movement of our day, the Civil Rights Movement started off with black folks saying, stop killing us. Stop harassing us. Stop denying us our humanity because of the color of our skin. Sometimes I'm struck by how much things have changed in my lifetime. In the South that I grew up in, public spaces were still segregated when I was a child. 
And there is still segregation, legal segregation, here where we live in New England, right? And there is so much for us to work on. But when we despair for the state of our world, can we take heart that things have gotten better? On this weekend, when we remember Reverend Dr. King, it can seem that beloved community still seems more of a dream than reality, and still a long way off. But let's take heart that we have come a long way, and even though there are new challenges and threats, there is no way that we are going back to those bad old days. Right? Are you with me? There's no way we're going back to those bad old days. So what we need on this day, my friends and spiritual companions, is to take hope and to take courage so we can help to do our own part to help keep things moving forward. And so to that end, what I'm feeling called to do on this day, particularly as a white, straight man who has all kinds of privileges and checks the box of all the main oppressor groups. I want to lift up and amplify some voices of those who have walked this talk of beloved community. Because they are the ones who can hold our hands and stand by us and inspire our hearts and help guide our feet. Because we don't want to run this race in vain. One of the gifts of Martin Luther King's public ministry was how he took his Christian faith and theology and applied it not only to people's individual behavior but to the systems and structures of our society. He took seriously Jesus' call to love your enemies and he called his followers to practice this with their oppressors. Listen to his words. To our most bitter opponents we say, We shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. We cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. Throw us in jail, and we will still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children, and we shall still love you. Send us your hooded perpetrators or violence into our community at the midnight hour, and beat us and leave us half dead, and we shall still love you. But be ye assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves. We shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall win you in the process, and our victory will be a double victory. Martin Luther King, Jr., We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Isn't this what is sorely needed these days? Soul force? 
which King learned about from Gandhi, the strength and the presence and the spirit to be stronger than those who would undermine our progress and who would tear things down. The ability to rise above our very human tendency for vengeance and retribution. And isn't this why the civil rights movement is so inspiring? Not because Martin Luther King was a great orator, which he was, of course, but because of the many ordinary people who showed such extraordinary strength and courage in the struggle. John Lewis was one such person. As a young man, he followed King on the march from Selma to Montgomery. He was severely beaten on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, and still he kept on working for justice his whole life, eventually becoming a congressman from Georgia. John Lewis was a person of deep faith and courage, and we heard this in his words earlier when he said, I discovered you have to have this sense of faith that what you're moving toward is already done. It's already happened, and you live as if you are already there. You live as if you are already there. John Lewis lived his wife this way, lived his life this way as if the beloved community was already here. And he backed this up by doing his own work. Listen to a few more lines from that same interview several years before his death. Those of us in the struggle, we studied, we prepared ourselves. It's just not something that is natural. You have to be taught the way of peace, the way of love, the way of nonviolence. In the religious sense, in the moral sense, you can say that in the bosom of every human being there is a spark of the divine. So you don't have a right as a human to abuse that spark of the divine in your fellow human being. If you have someone attacking you, beating you, spitting on you, you have to think of that person. Years ago, that person was an innocent child, an innocent little baby. What happened? Did something go wrong? Did someone teach that person to hate? to abuse others. So you try to appeal to the goodness of every human being, and you don't give up. You never give up on anyone. John Lewis, who was in his being such a beautiful embodiment of soul force. In the email I sent out to you this morning, I included a recording of this interview, which I encourage you to listen to as a way of connecting with and honoring the spirit of this Martin Luther King weekend. Another voice I want to lift up is that of Bernice Johnson Reagan. She's a singer and composer, a scholar and social activist and the founder of the women's acapella group, Sweet Honey in the Rock. She used her voice in the civil rights movement as one of the freedom singers who led singing at rallies and at mass meetings. And she says, I don't have any sense of the civil rights movement existing without the singing we did in marches and in mass meetings and in jails. 
There is no separation, and for me, if I hear a program about the civil rights movement, if you're not listening to some of those recordings, I feel you've missed an opportunity to understand its energy and its voice, the articulate voice of the masses of people who stepped out of the old ways of being and just got in the way to change and give us a new situation. If we were there, then we sang. If you're there with masses of people, you are able to have a proactive, positive experience, and the major carrier of that interpretation is the singing. She says, sound is a way to extend the territory you can affect. Communal singing is a way of announcing that you are here and possessing the territory. When police or the sheriff would enter mass meetings and start taking pictures and names, we knew our jobs were on the line, and maybe more. Inevitably, somebody would begin a song. Soon everyone was singing, and we had taken back the air in that space. Soon everyone was singing, and we had taken back the air in that space. Bernice Johnson Reagan. So to help build beloved community, don't forget to sing. It helps you to access that soul force, to touch into that power and that depth. It's not about performance. It's not about perfection. It's about coming together, announcing your presence, taking back that space, singing and breathing with others, literally vibrating with others with the music. Bernice Johnson Reagan. I'm going to share one more voice. This one is from the liberation movement in South Africa. And from that movement, spiritual leader, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who died just over a year ago. His faith and his courage, his humility and his sense of humor made him a needed and powerful leader in a very difficult struggle. Tutu confesses that there were times in the fight against apartheid when things would look so bleak that he would say in his prayers, God, we know that you're on our side, but couldn't you please make it a little more obvious? <laughs> Listen now to these words that Desmond Tutu addressed to their oppressors in the South African government and military and society all those who upheld that unjust system. Tutu said, you have already lost. Let us say to you nicely, you have already lost. We are inviting you to come over and join us on the winning side. Your cause is unjust. You are defending what is fundamentally indefensible because it is evil. It is evil without question. It is immoral. It is immoral without question. 
It is unchristian. Therefore, you will bite the dust. And you will bite the dust comprehensively. <laughs> Archbishop Desmond Tutu. These voices and so many others were powerful and needed witnesses in the liberation struggles of their day. And they speak to us in our day too, don't they? In our work to carry on this unfinished work of building beloved community. They tell us to have faith, to act as if we have already won the struggle. They remind us that soul force is bigger than any of us, that when we tap into it, when it unites a people or a community, it becomes a force that can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. They remind us whatever we do to keep on moving forward, to keep showing up, to keep trusting that we are on our way. They remind us to keep on singing as loudly and as enthusiastically as we can, now and forever. Amen.